Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 246 of Manage the Wild. I'm your host, Nick Manson. Survival. Why is it important to understand? We're going to look at it and why researchers, wildlife managers, wildlife biologists care about survival and what survival is actually telling us. And the reason why I'm talking about this today is because wildlife captures uh, across the Intermountain West are going to start happening here shortly. With the hunts ending, they are starting to perform wildlife captures. You're going to see helicopters out on the landscape, shooting nets out their windows and targeting deer and other species to try to understand survival. Uh, we had a conversation not too long ago with Randy Larson in which we talked about that one of the units that's near where I'm at is around uh, 74% mortality, meaning 25-26% of the animals lived. This is important to understand how your population is, because if you calculate survival and you get it wrong, then you could have detrimental effects on your population. It's also helping you know whether your population is rising, falling, and how things are doing each and every stage. When I first got into wildlife and wildlife management, uh, this was one of the first things I was invited to do. It's a fun activity. If you contact your local biologist, ask him about wildlife captures, uh, oftentimes states will let people come and participate. So just call them up, find out when the captures are. You may not get a hands-on opportunity, but you can be near the animals while they are doing all their different things. Uh, they will net gun them. They'll put them in these slings and they'll carry them back to the station. And that's where uh, you'll have vets and researchers and wildlife biologists performing all these different measurements on these animals, as well as throwing GPS collars on them. And the GPS collars are what is going to help you calculate survival because they are marking an animal and then they are knowing its exact movements from, and they are estimating its age. They're usually pretty good on age. Uh, and then they'll have a pretty accurate understanding of when it died. And then the collar will give off a mortality signal. And then researchers, usually technicians, will come in and pick up those animals and try to determine cause of death, mortality, to understand those different types of things. Super important. Before GPS collars, though, it was very difficult. They would go in and they would use collars, radio telemetry, and they would fly around in planes or drive around in trucks, and they would find out if uh, where the collar was and if it was giving off one signal, a mortality signal versus a non-mortality. And they would try to determine cause of death. But it wasn't as accurate because it may take you five, six, two, two weeks, five, six days to two weeks to come in and find an animal. And they never die near roads. You can always capture them near roads, but they always die at the backest, the farthest place away from a road in the darkest, nastiest stuff to get to. And so uh, they must go in and get them. The other methods, they could tag them. Sometimes it was using ear tags on geese. They're using bands. Um, 
or they are marking them in some type of way. And when the animal is harvested, like a fish, you pull a fish out and it's got a tag, pop the tag, and you can call it in and researchers will tell you how old the fish was or how old the goose was, when it was tagged, when it was banned, uh, where it was tagged, and how old they estimate it to be. Those are a lot more difficult and the accuracy is not as good. Uh, GPS collars are super helpful, but they're not as easy either because you're paying two, three, four thousand dollars per animal to collar it. So that takes a lot of money. It takes a lot of man hours. So oftentimes you are looking at teams of six to eight people involved in collaring animals. Now, some uh, studies. They're going to, if like you're doing elk in remote locations, you're going to fly in with a two-man team. You're going to have a, a net gunner who's going to go and net gun the animal. A guy's going to jump out and he's going to hog tie the animal. And then they're going to bring in the wildlife researchers and they'll start pulling your samples. So you're going to have anywhere from two to four people. Sometimes the net gunner as well as the muggers uh, are the ones pulling the samples. It just depends on what they were contracted to do. But it's super expensive and it's not easy. Then you have to go recover everything. So there's a lot of information, though, they're getting when they are calculating survival and understanding survival. One, it's a health assessment of how the population is doing is doing, whether uh, it's going up, trending upwards, trending downwards, and depending on what ages are dying. So if you have high mortality in your fawns and calves, you can start looking at some of those things, whether it's predation or other factors, and it'll help you understand. Mortality is super important, especially at that early stage with the uh, fawns and calves. You're looking at whether is predation a factor? Because if you if predation of, from coyotes is a factor, right before you have your calving or fawning events, you can go in and do coyote removals in that area to help bolster those populations. But if you determine that cause of death is fences or badger holes, then you're going to have to deal with each of those situations differently. It'll tell you your population dynamics. It's important to understand how a population is functioning. It'll help you understand birth rates, population growth, and how stable the population is. Uh, if you have a population just like we did around here that had 75% die off, I wouldn't call that a stable situation. And you got to start looking at the overall situation and say, why did we have such high die off? Was it because of the weather? Well, yes, it was because of the weather. But are there factors that could have prevented, like, is the habitat not great? Are we having too many animals on the landscape? Or have we just completely lost all the winter ground and access to those winter ground, wintering areas? Then you can start, when you start understanding the dynamics, then you can start your, your planning for conservation. Ultimate goal of a wildlife biologist is to conserve a population, conservation, make sure that that population stays around for generations to come. Second, then you can involve the recreation, the hunting, and all those different things. 
but now you're looking at, okay, this population is on a decline. Habitat's bad. Survival is, is really low in all across the spectrums, not just the, the fawns and the juveniles or the calves. We're looking at uh, high uh, death rates all across even adults that put you into a little bit of a pickle. And then you can start implementing your management strategies, whether it's uh, how many tags are you going to issue all across the spectrum, and they're just constantly having issues. You, maybe you need to reduce the amount of mouths on the landscape. Maybe your habitat's not that great, and so you need to do some habitat work. And so your management strategies will start to come into play once you understand survival. And then it's just helping you understand the species as a whole, how their ecology is working, their migration patterns, habitat preferences, behavioral adaptations, just in general how they're doing. If you have a, a small area with low survival fawns or low survival in calves, and then five miles away you see that habitat is different and survival is higher, you can start to look at the differences between the two and say, okay, is it better to model our habitat after this one where there's higher survival rates versus this one. And then you can start identifying all the different rates, uh, rates, the different threats that are going, that are happening to that population, whether it's disease, predators, or habitat, or human encroachment, urban encroachment, all those different things that are coming into play. So super, super important. And there's just a lot that goes into it. Some of the challenges that you face, though, when they're looking at these animals is, are they going to impact the behavior of the animal? Some argue that you're only collaring the weakest of the animals. I know when we do elk uh, captures in the wintertime where I work, they are coming into a trap and we're catching those animals and... So the question is, are we catching animals that are more likely to be trapped? And is there better data that we could out on the winter range that we should be targeting? What type of animals are we catching? Are we catching the lowest fit animals or the healthier? Sometimes when you're doing catch, uh, your um, helicopter captures, the animals could be injured and they could cause problems to the animals. Uh, if the collar is not properly fitting, whether it's too loose, it'll slip off, you lose your data. Or is it too tight, you could uh, cause issues there. Um, whether it's chafing, hair loss, or in some cases, uh, it becomes embedded in the skin, causes infection. And then the weight of the collar. Uh, there's videos back in the day, the 60s and 70s, of bears being collared that you were using car batteries. That's a lot of weight. And so it could be um, causing some issues with mobility. But while they're going through the brush, sticks could come down their collar and they could catch. And now they're fighting and they're stuck and they're trapped. And so you could cause issues that way because now you're affecting their normal behavior, their normal activity. If they normally go through a stand of trees and now every time they do their collar catches, it's going to start to affect their behavior. Some species, when they're collared, uh, get identified as the group of being an outsider because they have something attached to them that the rest of the 
group doesn't like. There is thoughts that animals that are collared are more likely to attract predators because in the blur of animals as they're running past, uh, a collar kind of stands out and breaks it up and is something different. And then the stress of it all, uh, capture myopathy. How many of these animals are, how are these animals being affected after captures? How long is it taking for them to recover? And that's why researchers and people, rightly so, will question whether the survival data is accurate or not. And that's a good question. We had 74% mortality, and we know that because 74% of the animals that we collared died across all ages, not just fawns but or juveniles, but across all ages. But the question then can be, did we catch the best and fittest animals or the lowest fitted fitness of animals? And is the information we're getting a good representative across the board? Or did we just catch a bunch of weak animals and 74% of ours died, but uh, 38% of the total population survived? That's a good question. It's hard to tell. And then there are long-term effects because... A lot of these animals have to be captured year after year. I know that there's behavioral changes in them. I've seen deer that have been captured more more than a, a few times will start to hide under trees so the helicopter uh, gunners can't get to them. They'll run around trees and ultimately the gunner will have to get out of the helicopter, run down the hill, and then shoot at it that way. So that's what I got for you today. Survival, it's important for the species. It's important for proper management. That's why they're doing it in a couple of weeks. Don't get mad at them. They need to understand how a population's doing. You guys have a great day. Stay wild.